0: Through Advent, we've been looking at some key words and um, how they help us as we go through Advent, and in a sense, with one eye on Christmas, but another eye on what God is doing through his people for the sake of his world. We looked at peace and what does it mean to be peacemakers. We looked at hope and what it means to be hope bringers. And today, I want to look at joy. What does it mean to be a people of joy who share? I wonder what your joy depends on. For some people, it's a sports team. It's tricky at the moment if you support Man United. Tricky days. You ride the roller coaster. And it sounds like a cliche, but for some people, actually, it's real. Actually, their joy does depend on a sports team. For other people, it depends on other people. Unless people are remarkably consistent around you, it's difficult for them to bear the weight of your joy. (laughs) And for other people, it's circumstances, and um, because we often can't control circumstance, we either we either become control freaks, or we protect ourselves against damage because we can't cope with the changing circumstance. This joy that we need, the joy of living, the joy of actually deep down, something within us going, do you know what? Life is worth living to the full. Is not wrong. And it's not a bad thing to need. I need it, you need it. You can exist without it. Of course you can exist without it. But it's less than you've been promised. And the joy that is ours in Christ should be more than depending upon other people, actually. And it should be more than depending upon circumstance. And it should certainly be more than depending on Manchester United. But when we talk about joy, what do we mean? And to help us, we're going to play a little film to explain it.
1: Being in a good mood is really great, and most languages have lots of words to describe the experience like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, euphrosune, or agaliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God, his father, when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, When people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy, even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith, or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now, this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy, or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus, that his loss wouldn't be the final word. This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus's own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about.
0: It's interesting when you <clears throat> when you hear those sort of... Um... That sort of very quick, really quick overview of joy in the Bible. There's there's a danger, isn't there, that it can all sound very, well, there and then, biblical. But actually, what you do is you begin to see it in one another, at different times. So it's kind of interesting. When Glenn was speaking earlier, he thought his initial thoughts were, "I thought this might be a cult." And I don't know if you heard what he said. Because, couldn't work out why they were so nice. (laughs) In other words, there's something about how we are that you may well take for granted. And because, like most of us, situations around us sometimes are frustrating. it It might feel like you've got joy missing. But actually, sometimes, just sometimes, when other people encounter us, they go, "They're different. They're different." I wonder whether sometimes we forget, we forget how we appear. In other words, we appear better than we might do. Where? Is this joy? We're going to read together. I'm going to ask uh, Anne if you could just put the slide back up, the second slide. That'd be great. we am going to read together from Luke two, part of the the Christmas cycle of stories. But in Luke two, the next one, <clears throat> that's it. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David is... A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let's just pause there. The The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Just remind yourselves who this announcement is made to. It's made to shepherds. It was made to a pe- about a people under occupation. Um, by the Roman uh, armies. Don't be afraid. Bring you good news. Great joy for all the people. They were at the back end of the empire. Sometimes you just need to hear this, not as part of the nativity set, but you need to hear it as it would have been heard. This is ridiculous. It's angels coming to shepherds to tell them there is world-shaping news. It would be as though the big issue seller that you pass when you go into Marks and Spencers said to you, last night God came to tell me the answer to Brexit. It would be the guy, and this is no disrespect, but this is, it would be the guy who collects the shopping trolleys at Tesco's and puts them back in the right place. Coming and saying, God's spoken to me about what he wants to do for the whole world. That's what the shepherds were like. That's how they were viewed. That's how preposterous this story actually sounds. This is to these people that God speaks and says, I've got news of joy. Joy. You've been walking in darkness. You've been walking in a certain way. But I've got news that will actually bring just an incredible amount of joy. If you hear it. If you hear it really well. And I don't know about you, but every now and again, at the end of a frustrating week, the message of joy is what's got kicked out of me. I haven't stopped believing. And I've not stopped praying. And I've I'm, I'm not stopped groaning. <laughs> I've lost joy. Joy that all of this connects somehow. So let me quickly tell you why I think we can be joyful. Let's just go to the next slide, Anne. And then we'll bring them in. Four things. Firstly... Because that passage we read says that, first thing, that God keeps his promises. All the Christmas cycle stories keep on saying to those who were there and to those who read, do you know that God is faithful to the promises that he made? Hundreds of years before, it came true in Jesus. To a people walking in darkness, they've seen a great light. To people in Galilee, ding, 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 Isaiah said. To people in Galilee, something has happened that will change everything. That's why when they're writing the New Testament, they're keeping on wanting to remind you and me that actually what was promised now is happening. It's not, wow, isn't that interesting? No, 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 no. This is God who says, if I promise, I am faithful to my own promises. Now, it's one thing to look back and go, well, okay. I may well believe that. But then you, what the Bible wants you to do is transfer that going forward into the future. So is the God who has promised the future the one who is trustworthy for the future? Or are we just making it up as we go along? And the promise of Scripture is this. That God always will keep the promises that he has made. That's why we're in that little film, when they talked about Paul being in prison, if eternity with God is a promise that has been made, death is not the worst thing that can happen to you, which means that when you're on the verge of death, joy is an option. Yeah? I mean, it's tragic if you haven't got that hope. But if you have got that hope, joy is possible. It's kind of, I mean, if you want to put it really sort of like bottom line, really simple. What's the worst that can happen to you? What is the worst that can happen? And once you realize that is not the worst that can happen, the joy is able to be back again. Because God keeps his promise. Secondly, God saves. So you're going to find a baby Um, today in the town of David a saviour has been born when these shepherds heard it they had a storyline that they were living in and the storyline of salvation was that means the Romans will go it was a very straightforward translation in their head now you look back and go no salvation was so much more because actually In the end, the Romans weren't your biggest problem. That wasn't your biggest problem. The biggest problem, Jesus said, wasn't actually what other people do to you. Your biggest problem was your heart. That was the biggest problem. And salvation comes, not just individual, not just pie in the sky. But actually, you can be joyful because God deals with the biggest problem you've got. And the biggest problem you've got is you, to be blunt. The biggest problem you've got is you, and you know that. And that's why... (laughs) I'm going to be really depressing now. (laughs) That's why Christmas can be hard work sometimes. Yeah? Because you've got all these hopes that the tinsel and the turkey will make all the difference in the world, and then you rock up and you find you're still the same. And what's more, your family rock up and find you are still the same. Our biggest problem is not actually that we don't have holidays or we're too tired or that we don't have enough or that the government don't know what they're up to. Though all those things may be true, our biggest problem is me and you. And that's why salvation matters. God saves, but so much more than you might have imagined. The third thing, God rules. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah. The Lord. Those two words are just sort of like now for us, kind of carol language or church language. But the Messiah and the Lord, those two titles meant there was nobody in the whole world who would mistake what Jesus was. Because essentially, to a Jewish people, there were just two sorts of people. There were Jews and Gentiles. That's it. And the Gentiles understood what it meant to have a Lord, Caesar is Lord, And the Jews understand that they were waiting for the Messiah. So you call Jesus the Messiah, the Lord. You've covered the whole world. God rules. Not a restored temple, but a new people. Not a new land, Israel, but a new humanity. Not um, just a country, but actually the whole of the earth will be renewed. The Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one who will rule. And then finally, God subverts the power. This will be the sign to you. Now I know the problem is, you know this so well, you've been singing it since you were a child, you know this so well, that the next part of this sentence does not shock you as you would expect. So, go with me for a moment, just bear with me. God has kept his promises from hundreds of years ago. (laughs) God saves, massive scale. God rules over the whole of the earth. This is the sign. What are you expecting? (coughs) Fireworks? What are you expecting? A knight in shining shining armour. Two knights in shining (laughs) (laughs) armour. An army of knights in shining armour would actually be the appropriate thing what are you expecting if you don't know the rest of that story what are you expecting you are expecting right god come on then bring it on and meanwhile the guy who collects the trolleys says god spoke to me and said a baby's been born oh well brilliant oh well brilliant this is a sign to you. You will find a baby. This is not what we expect. How can a baby help? Because at least, at the very least, that means we're going to have to wait a few years, yeah? At the very least. But then you look at the two Events of Jesus, the birth and the death, and both of them sound absolutely ridiculous. A helpless baby and a helpless man. A baby born in a manger feeding trough because there's no room in that house. And a man on the cross who said, because of this, salvation comes to the whole world. God at work. So much more. You see, an army of shining knights would not have changed the story. (laughs) It's okay, Anne, we'll go to that one. You're doing very well. You've got a baby, and you're doing it as well. But God moves through weakness. So here's the good news. God still works through weakness. And he'll work through you. The first rule of forensic science is that every contact leaves a trace. Basic. Actually, where you go, you who've experienced this joy, leave something behind And people go, I'm really glad they came. You and I become joy givers, joy sharers. You and I, we can be the one who lighten the atmosphere. Because actually, do you know what? It's better than any of us could have imagined. And when people want to drag you down into the sort of the despair You can be the one who goes, no, do you know what? Joy is possible. You're the one that reminds us all that we're human so we can laugh at our frailty. You are the ones of kindness. And perhaps most of all, you're the ones that receive everything as a grace gift. You are the ones who bring joy. You are the ones who bring joy. It's kind of like almost just that decision of, listen, <coughs> it's not that you've got to muster it up somehow. It's just I live in that story. The story of a God whose promises are faithful, a God who saves, a God who rules, a God who does not impose himself by power but comes subversively. Therefore, I can live, you can live, we can live joyfully. Joyfully. Do you want to take us to the next one? And the next one. And so the three things that we've said so far, we become peacemakers, we become hope bringers, we become joy sharers. One of the things that we did over the autumn, and if you take us to the next one, um, was we talked about our vision and values. We are a growing community of whole life disciples, alert to God's leading, paying careful attention to one another and the moment we're in, so we can be good news to those around us, this Mean, this is what it means to be good news. Peacemakers, hope bringers, joy sharers. This is what it means to be good news to those around us. I'm going to ask you in a moment what you're thinking. But as you're doing that, I found this blessing. And um, I'd like to share it with you. May you know the joy that may and must drink wine as well as eat bread in other words not just the bare minimum but who shares the luxury may you sing and play as well as speak may you dance as well as pray (coughs) not that you don't do the others but may joy overflow for you may people Just know in you and me that sense that Glenn talked about before. These people are strange. May you be those strange people. Because you're people of joy. Because you're people who refuse to get dragged down. Because you're people who refuse to believe the worst is going to happen. Because you're people who believe that actually everything can change. Because God is faithful. May you know and be those joyful people. You might be sitting next to someone who is part of your household. You might just want to nudge them and go, I think he means you. (sighs) Or you can tweet someone else and text them and say, he was preaching for you this morning. I do actually believe this. I believe, and and I'm not always great at it. I mean, I I, I remember, you know, Maggie will tell you there was once when I was quite grumpy at home. (laughs) Not always great. But the difference that joy can bring, the difference that joy can bring to your family, the difference that joy can bring to your friends, the difference that joy brings to you as a healthy person. I choose joy because this is the story I'm gonna live in. I choose joy. This is what I want. So Lord, may we overflow. (laughs) What's going through your heads? Okay, what's the difference between happiness and joy? Some Christians say the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is just smiling and joy is very deep. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I think, I don't know. How would we define the difference between happiness and, and joy? What do you reckon? It's a good question. Joy bubbles up. Joy bubbles up? Yeah? Unhappiness? Yeah? What's happiness? okay so some so maybe that difference between words is what what causes happiness and mm. the sort of the, the almost an attitude that stays what else you wouldn't have happiness in a sad time but you could have joy in a sad time that's a that's good mm. that's okay you're welcome Something that stays with you, that comes from your
1: within, that is able to help you through all circumstances, irrespective of what you're doing or what is happening around you. You have that
0: joy that is unexplainable. I know there's at least one person in the room who will be uh, wanting to uh, explore this further, but it's interesting, isn't it? I I think um, what's happened in wider society in more recent days is that. Happiness at one time was seen to be quite um, like peripheral. It was like, it doesn't matter. I think most governments actually go, no, it does matter, actually. This happiness, this now they would use happiness rather than joy, but we might want to say, we might want to talk about joy there, but joy slash happiness offers a perspective on the whole of your life. I'm conscious that in Galatians, when Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit, this idea of this is something that you don't just muster up, but is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit, that wind we talked about, that breath we talked about right at the beginning of the service, the breath that brings to birth love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Actually, that this is God's greatest desire for us. Because it's, and I, I've got this feeling about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about somehow that you are human and then the fruit of the Spirit is sort of like just Christian virtues. I think what the fruit of the Spirit is, is this is what it means to be fully human. It's not just being a nice person. It's, actually, this is what it means to be fully human. Love, joy, peace. That joy is what we're created for. It's what the Spirit wants to do within us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's a marker of the life of God within us. So interestingly, when I've lost it, then what I need to do is not somehow just summon up joy. What I need to do, really, I need to be filled with the Spirit, actually. That's what I need. I need to be filled with the Spirit. When I'm not there, when I am impatient, when I am not kind, when I am da 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 when I have lost joy, what I need is the Spirit. Okay. Time's gone. I find, I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping is, it's challenging and encouraging. I kind of want to make sure it's both of those things. I kind of want it to be challenging as, in as much as, okay, God, you know, I mean, I, this could really bring it down too low. But if you're just the one who, every, if you're the grump, then we just want to pray that the Spirit would fill you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm struggling to put that into Pauline theology, but, um, but I, think, I think without being, you know, you don't get a personality transplant, but what you do get is the fruit of the Spirit. And some of you know you struggle particularly, and we all struggle with certain parts of the day, but you know that for some of you it's like it, it, joy is a joy, you wrestle to get joy it's not easy. And and we want to pray that the Spirit will fill you. That you might be aware of that joy. And I hope it's encouraging. You are better than you think. You're more different than you think. Sometimes we don't think it's a good church service until everybody goes on feeling bad about themselves. That's not true. Glenn comes to church. He's an atheist. And he meets you. And he goes, I'm not sure I believe the same, but there's something different. You need to hear that, because that's the encouraging bit. And it's not because you've sort of summoned up all this energy deep down. What it's a sign of is the Spirit and God at work amongst us. I hope it's challenging and encouraging. I'm going to ask Hannah to come back and the musicians. And um, we're going to pray together um, around some of this stuff. And I just want to remind you, uh, in case you feel it, those shepherds, when they heard this news, they were not in a great p- place. It wasn't an easy place. But the message, and maybe that's why the joy comes to them, for that very reason. We're going to, I'm going to ask them just to be playing in the background. We're going to pray together. Satan is the joy stealer. The father is the joy giver. At times, you know and I know that um, the joy is sort of leaked out. And we come together and we pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill us again. (coughs) Some of us are really in situations that are... Let's be honest, they're tricky. We're not imprisoned, but it feels like all you see ahead of you is uh, darkness. I pray that the joy that Paul and Silas had would be yours. When they were in prison, I pray that that joy would be yours. Some of us limp, and we limp through life um, with intermittent depression. And on the worst of days, joy seems a million miles away. May you know the filling of the Spirit. May you know the filling of the Spirit. Not glib, not easy answers, but may you know the joy that comes from God. some of you, maybe it's sort of like, I don't know. Maybe you're the person that always imagines that the worst is going to happen. No matter how good things are today, you can't quite believe you deserve it. And therefore, you're always imagining that someone's going to snatch away the good days. May you know the joy of the Lord. The joy that says... I'm saving you, I'm watching over you, my promises are faithful to you. And may we together be joy sharers, with our families, the people who sometimes we love the most and wind us up the most. May we be the people who share the joy of the Lord with them. In our workplace, may we be the people who others recognize as humanizing the situations because we're aware of whose we are and our circles of influence may you be the one who's known for joy may the spirit rest upon us now we pray